Welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. You should know that this episode was also recorded in video and can be watched on our website at theundrapedartist.com and also on YouTube at the Undraped Artist Podcast. Also, check out our show notes to learn more about today's guest. I hope you enjoy the show. Michael Shane Neal, welcome back to the Undraped Artist Podcast. I'm excited to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So I'm excited about this because in one week, something uh, important is happening. And that's the reason I wanted you on the podcast. So we can kind of make that announcement. I'll just get that right out of the way. And, uh, and maybe you could tell me what's happening in one week from the time we'll be posting this. So um, February the 5th is the deadline for the Portrait Society's annual portrait competition, which was renamed a couple of years ago, the International. And uh, the deadline is about a week away. Um, I'm excited that we will, again this year, have thousands of entries from all over the world. Uh, those who are hard at work in their studios right now, still trying to put the finishing touches on things, you'll have until midnight on February the 5th to get your entry in. And um, and they're beginning to come in in uh, uh, in droves at this point now. Are so, they really? Yeah, yeah. And the last day um, will be crazy. And actually, last year in the last couple of hours, we were getting so many hundreds um, at a time that it blew up the website and, it, and everything shut down. <laughs> it literally locked it up. And so we had to extend it for a few hours because the thing wouldn't accept anything for, for a while. Yeah. But um, it's a good problem to have. That's awesome. You know, I think it was uh, Daniel Keyes. I can't, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I feel like I remember Daniel Keyes having issues. With, yes. Yes. And then he turned in. Uh because he had issues with it, he turned in one he wasn't planning on turning in because the first one got rejected or something. It probably had something to do with that, the website thing. Yeah, and we then had it. I mean, unbelievably, um, you, you think the technology can handle it, but we've had it a couple of times where just so many hits are coming in at one time. And the, I guess the server just can't handle the amount of information and yeah. it's, um, it's frozen on us. But um, well, and it worked for him. Behind the scene. He ended up getting the Draper Prize that year. It worked for him very well. Yes, yeah. it did. It worked for I him. Mean, he should be glad that whatever it was he entered, you know, didn't make it because uh, there you go. He ended up with the grand prize. Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, um, Christine was telling me that people have been entering since like last July, though. Yeah, sir. You know, there are a few, which is uncharacteristic for artists, isn't it? There are a few people that um, have their ducks in a row and they get their things in very early. But the majority of us, I think, um, I certainly speak for myself, um, tend to work on things until the last minute. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, I think you probably find the same as I do. You don't want to let it go. You wonder if it's really ready. And yeah. that's true with clients and it's true with competition. So that last couple of hours, it'll it'll be crazy, the, the things that are coming in so fast. Yeah, well, I'm submitting one this year. And oh, I've, I'm, I've oh, had it done great. for like a month and yet awesome. i'm still probably going to submit right on february 5th so you give you you give us too much credit you know i think we're just <laughs> chronic procrastinators i still have to get it photographed and everything else before i submit it so it'll probably be right there at the deadline so well, i'm excited that you're entering thank you that's great yeah i'm excited about it i mean 50 grand who wouldn't want to enter fifty thousand dollars first prize um that's yeah. huge i think it's the second largest in the world i think there's one other competition that's a little more but um, we did this last year and it was great success and um, it was really, really an exciting year to celebrate our 25th. So, you know, it was sort of like we got the genie, sort of let the genie out of the bottle. We realized that once we had done that for 50,000, it was hard to go back down. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. we said, okay, let's, let's go for it. And, um, you know, as I was, was talking to several people last year that were so thrilled with their uh, awards, but um uh, and Paul Newton, who won, said, you know, this is a really 
it was kind of life-changing award because not only was it uh, 50,000, but in Australian dollars, it was more than 50,000. Yeah, that's what he was telling me. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, and it had the same buying power, you know, as what we have here. So he got a little bit more. Yeah, I think he said it was like uh, 7,500 or something in Australia. 75,000? Oh, 75,000. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, yeah, it got reduced to 7,500. No, 75,000, right. Yeah. yeah that well, when I won, uh, 20, 20, uh, 23 years ago, it was $1,500. Are you serious? Yeah, which I didn't I didn't care. I would have paid $1,500 to one, you know, so Man. I was thrilled. But yeah, in yeah. those days, there wasn't a lot of cash to be to be awarded. Now, what is the policy on that? Can you re-enter now that you're a Draper Prize winner or you're kind of cut off at that point? Cut off, yeah. Um, they made that decision years and years ago. I think it might have been that way since the beginning or close to the beginning that if you ever won the grand prize, uh, you could not enter again. I used to joke that I wouldn't do it again because I had won and I didn't want to get, you know, like an honorable mention the next year. But then I found out I couldn't enter again. So, um, yeah, if you win, you can't enter again yeah okay great so it's where is it located this year uh this year the um oh this year our conference will be in atlanta georgia i was just looking down my notes to make sure i didn't forget the name of the hotel the grand hyatt atlanta in buckhead which we've been to a number of times it's a really great location one of the reasons i love it so much is first off it's easily accessible by car or by plane um uh, it's very centrally located the hotel itself is in a great environment that has restaurants and shops all around it. So not only when you come for the conference, but also your family that might join you has things to do while you're in uh, the, uh, at the conference and some of the classes. So it's really a great location and I love it. Hmm. You know what? I, I, I want to go back actually to the contest. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. Forgive me for sort of bouncing around here, but right. I'm kind of curious about something. So how does this whole process work? And I actually had a student yeah. asking me about it and I wasn't hundred percent sure. How, yeah, sure. How's the initial judging work? And then how does that compare to the judging between the top 20? Yeah. So um, it begins with Christine Agnoski, our executive director, and a committee of, of artists and staff that she pulls together and does pre-screening. So you've got judges, staff, and Christine Agnoski, our director, looks through hundreds and hundreds of paintings together. They get feedback from the judges. Are the judges um, different every about. year? Judge, judges are different every year, yes. Okay. Now, sometimes the judges, uh, I mean, the, the, sometimes there'll be a judge or two that has judged before, but almost every year there is some new judges that are a part of both the screening, the, um, there's, there's two stages of screening, and then the finals that are in the room um, mm. in Atlanta. And how year. do you choose these judges? The judges come usually from recommendations from the board or from the director, Christine. Okay. And they're most often faculty members from past or present. And uh, as you know, we've now had um, dozens of faculty that have committed committed to being a part of the conference each year or to our webinars or other things. Um, these are professional artists, usually. Occasionally, there's a, in the finals, there's, and I mean in the room, there is a curator or uh, some kind of an expert that is asked to join um, some working artists. But mm. um, typically they're pretty seasoned um, professional artists. Um, sometimes you might find a younger judge, but their work is just exceptional. And may maybe they haven't been in it for 30 years, but they are exceptional artists. And uh, so the initial screening that is done by a series of artists uh, with assistance from the staff and from Christine Agnoski, they narrow down the work to uh, a, a more manageable number. So they, um, once they all agree, they've all reviewed all of the images, they then will agree on a, a bucket of so many that they think are ready to make the next step of judging. And that will still be, uh, I mean, it all depends on the number of entries, but let's say there are 3,000 entries in phase one, um, about half of those will not leave that first phase of judging. And then the next 1500 go to the second phase of judging. And then that is done in all of that, by the way, that first part is done not in person, but is done, you know, via communication on emails and phone calls and Zoom. So they're all looking at these things and talking to each other at, um, 
at different times. And then, then they all come together and, and meet in person and look at that last 1500 actually on a big projection screen, you know, like a giant television, mm -hmm. because all of this is not done, you know, obviously from the original paintings are done from the, the photographs that are sent in, which of course is extremely important that, that people feel very good about the photograph that they have. At the same time, we realize that what we're looking at on one screen may not be exact. So a lot of times, not a lot of times, every time, there is um, another, there's a computer screen along with a television screen. Plus the judges are looking on these things at the same time on their telephones. So there'll be like several different digital really? devices going. Yeah, and there'll be discussion about, um, is there a consensus as, you know, like there, there's a piece that they're really latched in on and they're discussing it. And someone says something like, I wish that green were not so intense. And then, then they say, well, wait a minute, the green's not that intense on these other four devices. Mm. And so then sometimes uh, there even, well, there's been times when um, the judges actually have to, through our director, Christine Agnoski, contact the artist for clarification on something to say, you know, is this cropping exact or, um, you know, there was a strange, maybe there was a strange uh, reflection that we weren't sure if it was part of the painting or if it was a poor photograph, but the piece is so strong, but maybe there's a question about the photograph. So sometimes they'll take a moment and they'll contact the artist and say, um, is this image, something about this image exactly correct? Boy. So anyway, point is, hmm. uh, these artists are now looking at them together and they're discussing them together. And then they will, they will slowly whittle down the paintings to a smaller and smaller manageable number. The first in the, so once it goes through that initial phasing phase of, uh, say taking 1500 paintings out, they've all agreed. They don't believe they're ready for the next step of judging. And then they're looking at the next 1500. A painting, if it gets one of the three judges that are in that, if one person wants to see it stay in the consideration pile, it stays in. Um, if all three don't, then it goes. Whatever's left after that round of going through that 1500 that had one, two, or three yeses, then it has to have two yeses to stay in that next round of judging. And sometimes mm. you'll have one judge that just really um, wants to champion a piece and they try to convince the other judges that this really should stay and they advocate for it. And if they convince the judges to get, or at least one more judge to say yes, then it stays for another round of judging. So you get two yeses, it goes to another round. The only things that make the final um, basket for judging are things that have had three yeses of the three judges that are on site at that stage of the judging. So is that making sense? Yeah, but you must have more than 20 with three yeses. Oh my goodness. Usually it gets down to about 250 to 300 oh my that are all yeses out okay. of, you know, so 10% will make it through what has now been uh, a lot of hours of judging. You know, mm -hmm. you've gone through dozen, a dozen, uh, maybe more, two dozen hours of the pre-judging. Then you've got another dozen hours of going through for that second phase of judging. And now you're down to 300 pieces and all three judges like, like the pieces. So then it is a, usually about a two to three day process of trying to get it down to 20. And, um, you know, we, I've watched this for years. I mean, um, you have to step out and get fresh air. You have to, you have to, you know, you, oh, can't, you just get, man. you can't decide, you know, and you, so what then will happen is usually after about two to three days of the in-person judging, they will get it down to about 75. And then it becomes just like, I mean, it's a bloody battle. I mean, it's just really tough. And um, you start, you know, trying to, it's really difficult because you, you're you're really trying to um, essentially weigh one painting against the other paintings that are a part of that those pieces that have been submitted. You know, I mean, you 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 do you do try to look at them as individuals, but at the same time, you can't help but remember that you saw that painting of so and so's that you liked even a little better. So you say, well, if I'm going to pick between these two. I'm going to pick this one. But they're all good. You know, the when you get down to that last seventy five. Really, if you get down to that last 300, they're all really, really good. So um, it gets extremely difficult. Mm. Yeah. And then what happens after that? 
is they finally, the judges will finally agree on 20 paintings. Now you remember in the past, there's been times when there's 22, 21 or 23, they just couldn't get to 20. They just absolutely couldn't do it. I mean, you know, you, you finally are exhausted and nobody has given up or given in. And so the three judges say, well, Christine, we can't help it, but we can't get it down to 20. There's just, it's impossible. So we've expanded it. But the problem is the reason we don't like to do that is it reduces the amount of money that people oh, win, the more yeah. people that are in the room. So we're trying to keep it to 20. When I, when I was a part and I, when I entered in 2001 and got the prize, it was 10 pieces they narrowed it down to in those days. Really? But now it's so when those pieces that 20 um, finalists are now uh, the ones that are going to the conference in person, those are then sent um, to that location. They are in a room, and many people have seen this. They're on display. The artists that are chosen um, on site to help hang the room work really, really hard to make sure that each piece is in its very best light. Um, as you know, there's hours it goes in. Usually it's about a day, a solid day of, of just taking this painting or this drawing or this piece of sculpture and trying it here against this piece or trying this piece against that piece to make sure that if one piece happens to be extremely large and it's in the finals and then another piece is in the room, but it happens to be, you know, like a, a small eight by 10, well, you've got to really make sure that you're complementing each piece and that you're not letting the scale of one you know, cause the other one not to be seen in its best light. So they spend, a, Ed Jonas, who was our chairman for many years. Um, I mean, I really talk, you, you talk about not being able to sleep at night. I really think he lost sleep over trying to get those paintings and sculptures and drawings in the very best possible position in the room so that it did the best for that artist. Oh, um, that's really considerate. Oh. It's incredible that. how much time goes into that. Now Don Whitelaw has sort of taken over one of our board members has taken over that role of um of being sort of the director of that installation process. Um she's a very seasoned artist, been around in the porch siding now since the beginning. And then once those are in the room, as you know, we open the doors and the seven or eight hundred people that are there for the conference enjoy seeing the paintings for several days. There's a people's choice award they vote for. And then on the second day of the conference, there's a close, they close up the gallery. Um, there are three judges that are selected. They're different each year. And, uh, or at least sometimes there might be a person that carries over from one year to the next, but most often there's a, a different series of judges. Those three are then in the room. And then there are a couple of people that are monitors there to sort of watch that the, um, that the rules of the judging are followed carefully and the criteria and then um they they uh they if i recall and i've actually so i've been a part of this for tw over 25 years and i have never been a finalist judge ever really but I, yeah but i've been a monitor on several occasions and the way they've started doing this in the last couple of years if i recall correctly is there's a point system mm -hmm. and it's i believe it's one through five and one being, you know, they don't like it as much and five being they love this piece. And they each take their clipboards and they walk around independently and they'll come up to, you know, a, uh, a, an artist's piece and they'll say, I love this piece, I'm giving it a five. I love this piece, I'm giving it a five. I don't like this piece as well, I'm giving it a three. And then they come in and turn in that clipboard and then uh, the staff add up the points from each artist. And so whoever has the most points, let's say it's a clear winner. Let's say somebody has the most points. They've got 15 points. Then the judges go over and talk it out to make sure that they all agree that this is the one they like the most. But what almost always happens, Jeff, is that there are there's two or three that have gotten the total number of points. Mm. And then there's a couple that are all you know, that are tied for second. And then there's three that are tied for third. So then they've really got to start digging it out with each other. So after that point system is done, then it's all done through conversation. The judges actually talk it out until they um, settle on the prizes. Wow. So isn't there- It's a long. Yeah, but the Draper Prize, that one is decided by the judges as well as first, second, and third? Yes. Okay, I didn't realize that. I, for some reason, yeah. I was under the impression there was some other- 
like some person named Draper <laughs> that decided on the oh, Draper no. so, Prize. So, yeah, so Bill Draper. Well, do you know you do you know Bill Draper? I know. No, I don't know Bill Draper. So, so Bill Draper was an incredible artist who um, lived in New York City his entire life. He had studied with um, Charles Hawthorne when he was a young man, and he was a well-known artist during World War II for doing a lot of Navy art, a lot of uh, battle scenes and things like that. He worked, he was in the Navy. And then he went on to be a portrait painter. He was a, quite a society portrait painter in, in New York City. And he kind of, he was friends with the Kennedy family and on and on. And he painted a famous portrait of John F. Kennedy from life with Kennedy sitting in his rocking chair, a sort of a vignetted head and shoulders painting. You've probably seen that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, he lived and worked, he, he was over 90 when he passed away. I think it was the early nineties. He was the first gold medal recipient at the very first portrait society conference, um, 26 years ago. Um, he was an avid, uh, pianist and painter. He played the piano that year at the conference. And he also demonstrated, he would only work from life, Jeff. He would not work from a photograph and never did his entire career only from life. And, um, Anyway, he uh, he passed away um, about 20 something years ago, 22 or three years ago, and they decided to rename the first prize after him, the Bill Draper uh, Grand Prize. He was a very dear friend of Dan Green, uh, Ray Kinsler, and others, uh, some of our founding board, uh, executive board members. And I thought he was, he was a colorful man and a, an amazing artist, uh, very, um, kind of Robert Henry-esque in the way he approached his work, very direct. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that's what it's named for. But yes, the judges actually award that that prize. And it's, um, uh, I could tell last year that it was a, I mean, it's a big responsibility every year, but to award $50,000 is a super big responsibility. So they, it was extra time spent, I could tell in judging last year. It, it seemed to seem to even be harder than ever. So do the judges stay anonymous so they don't get jumped? If uh, no, people don't like this, <laughs> no, I actually at the award ceremony every year as part of my remarks, I already always list the judges. For many years, we didn't, uh, and Ray Kinsler had said really for probably a couple of years before it finally, before they finally started doing it, um, he, he said, you know, I really think it would be a good idea as long as the judges are willing to um, to announce who it was, so that people know who's who's. Um, who's judging it. And so we started doing it at the dinner every year. I always list the judges. Hmm. So is it, is that something you could tell us now, or we have to wait till dinner? Who the judges I don't, will be? I actually don't know the final judges this year, but I will, I'm not, I'm going to be, well, I, I do know one, I'm going to be a finalist judge for the first time ever. Yeah, hey, uh, awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to be in the room for the first time ever as a judge. I don't know the other two judges. Um, the, um, Preliminary judges this year is um, uh, uh, the sculptor, is it Alicio Ponz, Alicia Ponzio? Is that right? I'm yeah, yeah. Name. Sculptor. Interesting. Okay. Sculptor. Uh, Dawn Whitelaw is one of the judges this year uh, in, in the preliminary. Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember that. Um, that's the only two I can remember, but there, okay. there, are, there are, there's another another professional artist judge. And then there will be um, a couple of staff members that will be there for um, advice and counsel as they go through it. And then Christine Agnoski has been a part. She has been sitting in the room for every single painting that has ever been seen that has been entered in the Portrait Society for 26 years. Let me just take a minute to plug my sponsor, Rosemary Brushes. These are not Rosemary Brushes. I'm a brush junkie. So when I go to an art supply store, I have to admit on occasion, I will be tempted to buy a brush, even though it's not from Rosemary, but it's rare. And here's the reason why it's rare, because this is what happens to other brands. This is a basically a new brush. I bought it last summer. And this one right here, a good brand, supposedly, the hairs are coming, literally coming right out. This brand, also a well-known brand, got this last year, already the ferrule busted off. Now I could glue it on, but why should I have to glue it on? Brushes are expensive. This needs to be crimped better. So why do I love Rosemary brushes? Two reasons. One, because they're an amazing company and their brushes are freaking high quality. This brush from Rosemary is a good example. It's gorgeous. It's tight. It's well-made and it'll last forever if you take care of it. 
The other reason is because Rosemary is an amazing family-owned company. They provide amazing service. They're awesome people to work with, and you can't go wrong by buying their product. So for your next painting, head over to rosemaryandco.com and pick up some more brushes. I would like to know how many that is, but it is now in the tens of thousands, and she has seen every single entry. Unbelievable. Yeah, hmm. it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, and I I have never been a judge of this particular contest, but I've had the privilege of being the judge of some of your contests throughout the year. And it's hard even with just like 250 people. I can't even imagine, or submissions. I can't even imagine yeah. Yeah. how intense this would be starting at around 3,000 and working your way down. Yeah, and it's, um, I can tell you, I can assure you, and I, I've now been on the board since 2010. I have been a preliminary judge a number of times. Um, the, um, the seriousness in which the judges take this, I can't, I cannot, I really can't say it strongly enough. They, they care so much about each and every painting, sculpture, and drawing that is submitted. Um, they discuss some pieces, um, at great length. Um, they, 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 anyone who I've seen this many times with Ed Jonas, who was has passed away now. It was a great sculptor and was our director for a number of years. He anybody that said no to something very quickly, if it felt too quick to him, he was the first person in the room to say, "Why did you say that so quickly?" You know, just like just get. I want to hear why. Why did you react that quickly? Why are you, why were you in those within you know ten seconds of it popping up on the screen? Yeah, you got to wonder about bias when it's real fast. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, I'm, I most of the judges do take their time and will be considerate of every single painting. And even if instinctively they felt it didn't, it didn't sort of um, tick any of the boxes on in the list of things that they felt like it should, um, they, they'll still take a moment to, to discuss why. And I love that. I think it's fantastic that they take so many, uh, they, they take so this so seriously and they take so much time as they go through it. You know, I've been involved with you guys for about 11 years, I think. Uh -huh. 10 or 11, 12, I can't remember exactly, but over a decade. And uh, a question I often get after the contest, and, I over, and I, I'm not going to tell you what I say, but uh, I already think I know the answer to this question. But I want to ask, just in case there's people in the audience that have this same question, is if someone doesn't agree with the winners, the go-to response oftentimes is, oh, this contest is political. You know, like there, there's some favoritism for some reason or another. I don't know if you've heard that criticism before, but you hear that criticism well, I, about yeah. any contest. And uh, I'll, I'm not going to tell you what my response is, but I want to get what your response is first and to, to that criticism. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard it before. I've certainly heard it about ours. I've heard it about lots of others. Um, uh, I, you know, I can assure you that there's nothing political about it at all. I mean, uh, the art, the um, judges, the artist judges. Um, I mean, they're they're human beings, so they naturally will have bias, even though they try to not. Yeah. You know, you, there's things you're going to like, no matter how, no matter how hard you try to accept something because the quality is there, but it might not be your taste. You're going to tend to sit, lean towards one painting or sculpture versus another because right. it just, you know, there's something in you that says, no, to me, this is better. But um, that's why you have multiple judges. And that's why sometimes, let's say, for example, you're, um, you're a very brushy painter, but there's a piece, that's, there's a classical realist piece that, you, you know, it doesn't really strike you as one of your favorites, but uh, you see that it's quality. But your other two judges are saying, this is exceptional. I love it. It just speaks to us. Um, you know, it's, um, I've seen it time and time again where the judges will discuss it and they'll convince all, they'll, they'll decide that all three are on the same page and that this piece is strong enough, whether it's something that appeals to you stylistically or not, that should be um, considered for the top prize. Um, but, um, you know, the, the names are not on the slides when they come up. I mean, you could always blow it up enough to try to read the name. There's nothing but a number on the slide. Uh, I, I know- But you a lot often of recognize certain artists though. I mean, you yeah, can't help not I to. I recognize yeah. a painting, a piece, because I recognize your hand or someone else's hand. Right. But um, the vast majority of the pieces that come up, I do not know who they are, nor, nor does anyone else. 
and uh, we don't seek to try to find out who they are. The only time we will do that is if we have questions that we can't get answered about maybe the reproduction of the image. And so we might inquire as to who it is and might want to actually uh, contact them for clarification on something. But um, uh, I've been a part of this for 25 years, and I have never seen a single episode of someone trying to push one artist over another because it was a relational or, you know, are they, uh, you, you know, it was a student of the teacher or the artist's judge or anything like that, mm. or even someone that they just wanted to see win a prize. I've never seen that either. I, I mean, I, I think about so many fabulous artists that you and I know that have entered many times and never won. And, you know, I'm sure that for the, I mean, I'm sure the judges often say to themselves, oh, wow, you know, it's, that's really a fantastic painting, fantastic piece of sculpture. But in the room this year, this one is still better, even though this is a fantastic mm -hmm. artist. Mm -hmm. And they might really would love to do it, but they just can't because there's a piece in the room that's stronger. Mm -hmm. um, and, and and they may even know the history of an artist and the quality of their work overall and still think, well, it's just not as it's just not as good as something else that's in the room. Yeah. So um I've just never seen it, not once. And I've uh, and that's one of the other reasons that there's always um uh, monitors in the room to make sure that no one is being unfairly uh, heavy-handed about trying to convince the other judges into something, and um, and all, also that their uh, that their motivations are right and that they are um, agreeing on the criteria for the winning piece. So um, yeah, I you know I guess I, I'm sorry. I guess I don't have a, a succinct answer, but I can just tell you that I've never seen it. Yeah, well, that's that's what I would tell people. I mean, in the 11 years I've worked with you guys, the integrity of the staff of the Portrait Society and all the people involved, including yourself, is just second to none. So there's just no way it's oh, happening in this you. organization. There's no way. Not, yeah. Certainly oh, not intentionally. Really I mean, you can't know. You can't know. Sometimes we don't even know our own biases, but certainly not intentionally, right? Certainly not. No, yeah. certainly not. And, uh, and you know, I, I hear things like... Um, oh, um, narrative paintings do better, or um, self-portraits don't do as well, or or vice versa. I mean, self-portraits do better, narratives, I mean, it's just, it's just, when you look at that 3,000, 3,500 pieces of art that come in, you're just, as a series of judges, judging from that collection of work, what you think is the best work that's in there that year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might send a piece this year that, when it collectively looked at in the other 3,000 paintings, it just didn't make it. But next year you enter it again and a new series of judges see it and they see it against the other work and they decide this piece should be in. I, I, always, I mean, I, I've told this I was hoping times. you were going to tell this story. I know what uh, you're going to tell. Great was, story. Yeah, tell us, this tell it again. The, the watercolor, the Kenser watercolor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Kenser, uh, so in his studio in New York, all the years that I went there, on his mantle, on his fireplace, was a rejection slip from the American Watercolor Society. I think it was 1970. Next to it was the gold medal from the American Watercolor <laughs> Society, 1971. That's just crazy. What, what happened was in 70, he did a watercolor, he entered it into the show and it got rejected. Completely, next year, completely. Not even in the finalist, not even a finalist. Not even in the finals, yeah. nothing. Got rejected, come get your piece. And the next year, the, the deadline slipped up on him and he didn't have a piece and he wanted to enter and he thought, oh, what the heck, I'm entered the same painting. So he entered the same painting and got a gold medal from a different series of judges. And so he put those things side by side and he said, you know, it was important to me to enter the painting, to, you know, have to put my work in and see how it does against my peers, to see what judges say about my work, you know, and sort of have goals set for myself to enter these shows. But he said, there's a, there's a perfect example of you never know. You never know mm -hmm. what judges are going to see or react to. And certainly one series of judges might see something very differently than another. And um, so anyhow, uh, I think there's, um, I think that you you truly never know. That's when, when people ask me, should I enter? Should I enter? You know, I don't know if I could do well. Well, I mean, I don't really know if you can or not either. I mean, I really don't. Um, it just all depends. So enter your best work and give it a shot. I mean, ours is truly the most affordable, I think, portrait figure competition around. I mean, for 50 bucks, you get uh, three entries. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 50 bucks, you get a chance at 50,000. It's not too bad. We've got 150,000 and more cash and prizes. Um, 
but also, you know, by by entering those pieces, it, you know, the, one of the things that Gordon Wetmore, our first chairman, used to always say is the, um, it was a Kennedy quote, rising, a rising tide lifts all boats is what he used to say. And he used to say, that's what this society is about. When you enter, you're actually supporting the competition. You're, you're supporting the competition with your entry fee, but you're also supporting it by working hard to try to do your very best work and to, to submit it with your fellow members or non-members and, uh, you know, see where the chips fall. But um, your your entry fee goes towards the support of the society and giving the prize money to those that have entered. And so it's a, it's a beautiful thing, really, um, that everybody is um, everybody supporting each other. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what's going to happen besides the contest at the uh, conference. Let me see. I want to pull up the website here, or at least the uh, schedule. And this is, this schedule is on the website. So here's the page that talks about the contest here. PortraitSociety.org. Yes. PortraitSociety.org. Longer glasses here. Yeah. And this oh, yeah. is last year's uh, grand prize winner, the Draper Prize winner, Paul Newton. I had him on the podcast. So, oh, great. Yeah. Okay. So the schedule is here. And maybe we could talk so we a little bit about this. Yeah. So we're going to, as we mentioned earlier, we'll be in Atlanta. We will have over 800 artists. We're also going to have some vendors, you know, manufacturers. We'll have, um, well, uh, artists, artists meaning guests, right? Um, sorry. You said 800 artists. You're referring to guests, not faculty. No. Uh, oh, yes. Guests. So sorry. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. We'll have 800 participants. Right. And faculty, uh, one, two, three, four, five, seven. Oh, we have about two dozen faculty, it looks like. And um, we'll have 800, um, the 800 artists there participating. We'll have a number of um, artists, paint manufacturers, brushes, canvas makers, et cetera, that'll be there in the vendor's room as well. Um, this is our 26th year, and we're going to have um, three pre-conference workshops, which I'm excited about. Uh, that's going to be from nine to four which is going to have uh, intensive intensive study of drawing, sculpture, uh, and color studies. There's um, we have the main stage demos as you've done you've done several of those, which we're so grateful for your participation uh, over so many years. Uh, we have the breakout classes, which you can see there on the schedule on the website. You can sign up for. Mm -hmm. We also have something that has become extremely popular over the last few years: our six by nine mystery art sale, which um, we send out these um, six by nine panels to uh, artists and ask them if they would be willing to do a small painting and donate it to the portrait society. They sell for, am I right? I think it's $250. That's, that's what, what I remember. Is. Yeah. Yeah. And every, just about every painting will sell uh, at that mystery art sale, which is a fantastic um, fundraiser for us at the society. And uh, then we have our banquet, which is when the, uh, well, I always call it the Oscars of the portrait painting world. It feels a bit like that. Is, uh, yeah, so that's when our, yeah, it does. Our international portrait competition will take place. And we start, as you know, from, you know, number 20 and work down to number one, which it just grows. It gets more and more exciting as the evening goes. We also have artists, the faculty members will be there for, for, for portfolio critiques. So that goes on a number of times each day. Mm -hmm. You can wait in line to meet and talk to one of your favorite faculty members, and they can look at your portfolio and talk to you about your work. Um, we will have uh, um, a, a number of book uh, signing table as well. So a lot of artists that have written books will be there. The books will be for sale and you can get them to sign your book, which is always a, a fun thing. I have, uh, I wrote down a few stats too. I wanted to go through here if I could. Can I mention this? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we've got the $50,000 first prize. We've got the 150,000 in cash and prizes, which is divided among those top uh, 20 finalists. Uh, last year, we had 3,075 entries. Um, pretty remarkable. And the deadline is coming February the 5th at midnight, the entry fee, $50, which I mentioned earlier, for three images. And, um, and as you know, we're a non-for-profit, so all of this money goes right back into all of our educational resources that we uh, produce every year um, with a great deal of volunteer effort from our faculty. Um, no one is no one is paid, uh, you know, just about, we will occasionally uh, help uh, an artist that is on the faculty 
uh, by giving them a place to stay when they get there. But otherwise, they do this for nothing, and um, except for the satisfaction of helping the, the membership. Uh, the number of volunteer hours is incredible um, that are that that go into each year, and um, you know we just grow and grow in membership uh, and grow and grow in support. So we're just thrilled with the work that we see um, our volunteers doing, our faculty and staff, and we're thrilled to see how rewarding it is for for our membership. We get really fantastic emails uh, talking about how meaningful not only the conference is, but how meaningful being a member of the society is each year. Mm -hmm. So I've got a couple questions. You said there's going to be like seven or 800 uh, artists there or guests of the Porch Society Conference. Is there a cap or, and is, has that cap been reached or can people still register today? No, you can still register today. And there, there is actually a physical cap, but it is, it's a, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 800. I mean, there's a, there's a moment at which we can't, we can't, we don't have enough support staff to manage that many or enough hotel rooms. Mm. Now, sometimes that we do run out, even though we'll have the whole, the whole Hyatt, we will run out. And then you'll find some people will, will stay somewhere nearby and then come to the conference. But um, there is a, I forget how many rooms there are, but there's a, a large number of rooms in the hotel. 808 we have had 850 in atlanta before 840 something it was nearly 850 and we were able to support that many so um we'd love to see it max out that would be great hmm. and how close are you do you know i don't i didn't get that update hmm. from uh, the office um but um the last time i checked on signups was actually about two months ago and it was very strong it was hundreds already Mm. So I would say we're we're probably right on target. I, I would have let's put it this way: if we weren't on target, I would have heard. Okay, good, good. But you can still sign up, so you at least you can still sign up. Okay. Yes, absolutely. It's not too late, and it's so fact, cheap. In fact, by the way, we will have some people that will walk up and see if they can sign up the day that it starts, and that's possible. We we can we can make it happen. Yeah, it is. It is so inexpensive. I was looking on the website. Again, isn't it, uh, what is it, like 500 or $600 for non-members and five-something for... That sounds right. I don't have it in front yeah. of me. It's about that. Yeah. It's, if you look at inflation and where it was when it started 25, 26 years ago, it is still extremely affordable. I mean, when we first began, it was about $300 uh, 26 years ago. You know, now it's around six, but it's it's very, you know, very much still um, one of the most affordable um conferences you can be a part of as a, as an artist conference and the boy the value you get is incredible uh, unbelievable um, you know you've been a part and you you've talked about it you were mentioning it earlier i mean i've stayed yeah, a part of this for so long yeah there we are i've stayed a part of this for so long because of the incredible value but also of the commitment and how much the artists care about sharing mm -hmm. and how um there's a there's a real sense of camaraderie and um and sort of family sort of atmosphere with the artist, the art, you know, you're, you're, you're with your, you know, as, as uh, I forget who it was said last year, but you're with your tribe, you can feel it, you know it when you walk in the door, but artists are a little bit unique. And when you compare it to other professions and their willingness to share, you know, you just don't find artists trying to hide any kind of trade secrets. They want to tell you what they've discovered works mm -hmm. and they're anxious for you to try it too and see if it works for you. And um, this is that it's so beautiful when you see collections of uh, groups of people off to the side after lectures, demonstrations, on hand uh, conference um, uh, breakout sessions where they're sharing and excited about what they've just learned. And then they continue to talk and even to paint sometimes, as you're seeing around the hotel, uh, even after their classes, they're still wanting to be a part of sharing. So it's uh, really fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so for those listening and not watching, the member rate is five eighty five, and the non member rate is six eighty five. Now, if if I remember correctly, to become a member, it's it's only around a hundred dollars. So yeah, that's right. You'd kind of that's be crazy right. to not just become a member and pay the member rate, because then you have exactly. the benefit of being a member. Exactly. Yeah. And student rates is a little less than that too. So there's even a student rate. And, uh, and there are scholarships each year. So if you, I don't know if the deadline is passed for that yet or not, but if you go on the website, there's a place for you to apply for a scholarship. We give a number of scholarships each year. And um, 
Yeah. That's something I encourage you to do as well. I, it never, I, it never fails. I always have at least three or four people that come up and find me and, uh, and mention their scholarship, um, recipients and they want to thank um, the society and, and talk about what it's meant to them. And, um, and it, it doesn't just, it doesn't necessarily go to young people. It, it goes to just, um, whoever the uh, committee decides they feel the application is most worthy of receiving the scholarship. Yeah. You know, I just taught a workshop at Scottsdale Artist School, and I was encouraging a lot of the people in my class to come to this. And it, I don't even remember what they pay for my scholar, for my workshop, but it's more than $685 for the week. Oh, yeah. And then, and then yeah. they have to pay for a hotel and plane fare unless they're right. from Arizona. So, but they're only studying with me. I mean, the, the beauty mm. of this, of this whole thing is there's 24 approximately professional artists there all you know sharing their knowledge all for less than the average workshop right right and uh you know and we're thrilled you're going to be a part this year so we thank you for that and you've been a part for a number of years you've been a great demonstrator and and also a lecturer and uh and moderator you've done that too uh yeah beautifully I'll be, um, i appreciate that i'll be doing that, uh, that again this year oh so i I've, I've got the list of the participants um uh uh, Luis uh, Alvarez, um, who was one of our past winners, he's going to be one of the faculty this year. He actually won the competition about three or four years ago. Um, fantastic um, artist and uh, great teacher. Anna Rose Bain, who's been a part of the society for a long time. I remember meeting her when she was so young, and uh, she still is young, but she was super young. I don't, I think she, I don't even think she was 20 years old the first time I met her. Mm. Such a talented artist, great demonstrator. Um, Gwyneth um, Barth White, who I don't know as well, but is going to be a part this year. Francis Bell coming all the way from the UK. Uh, Jason Bolden, who's not been a part for a number of years. He's been on the faculty in the early days of the Port Society. He won the competition about 2002 or three, and he's from uh, Mississippi, a great artist. His father was Marshall Bolden, the great portrait painter and also the gold medal winner, uh, gold medal recipient. Uh, a number of years ago. I think he was about nine years old when he got that. Uh, mm. uh, Wendy Green, uh, Wendy Caparelli Green, she was uh, she is Dan Green's widow, widow, a wonderful pastelist, great teacher. Uh, Lewis Carr, Lewis uh, started um, lecturing and demonstrating just about three or four years ago. He's a great artist and is one of the one of the best teachers you'll come across. And I just think he's great. Um, Ali Cavanaugh, I don't know as well, but thrilled to have Allie, Kevin Chambers. She's a watercolorist, if I remember right. Watercolorist, yeah. yeah. Kevin Chambers, um, Casey Childs, uh, uh, John Coleman, uh, Jamie Corinth, also coming over from the, the UK, um, Grace DeVito, and uh, uh, Thomas uh, Caleb Goggins. Thomas, uh, I mean, sorry, Caleb, uh, Thomas Caleb Goggins. C Caleb, who was how, how, what we call him. Uh, Caleb... Um, was an intern with um, Gordon Wetmore when he was a teenager, and his, he went to uh, Lyme Academy of Art. He's a great, great teacher, great painter. Liz Harris, uh, Susan Lyon, um, and we, uh, we, and my daughter Maddie Ree is one of the young artists coming this year. We've got four or five young artists that's going to they're coming coming in that are going to be doing a demonstration one evening. Kate Kate Orr is another one of those. Um, uh, let's see, Oliver Sin, uh, Sharon Sprung, Samuel Walter, uh, and Don Whitelaw. Don is on our board. Uh, not only great artist, great teacher, and um, we're thrilled that Don continues to be an active part. She's the vice chairman of the Port Society and uh, was my first painting teacher, by the way. No kidding. And uh, Mary White, Mary White, um, incredible watercolorist uh, from Charleston and uh, always an exceptional demonstrator and teacher, and she's also on the board. So, I mean, what a lineup. It's incredible. And you get to hear from each one of those if you're a part. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good one this year. Okay. So maybe we could just go over the different types of events that people mm -hmm. will expect. You know, I can think of the main stage demos, which actually it seems like there's less main stage demos than there used to be. Is that, am I? Well, have you seen, you've probably seen this shift in recent years. Uh, there's been a slow shift towards um, some more on, uh, you know. More breakout actually, sessions, it seems more like. More breakout sessions and more hands-on demonstrations 
uh, hands-on, uh, you know, activities. Right. So you're seeing more classes where artists can actually draw, paint, sculpt in class with an artist, and that's been growing. So um, you're you're going to see more of that again this year. Uh, there are still what we call main stage demonstrations where the entire conference comes together. So, you know, hundreds of people in one room, and we have some of our faculty members to do on-stage demonstrations where they are, there's a, there's two jumbotrons in the room. And I, I know in your 10 to 12 years you've been a part, you've seen the increase in how technology has improved that. Mm -hmm. I certainly have. I mean, when I first started demonstrating years ago, you could hardly see your canvas for the glare from the lights. Mm -hmm. uh, you might have to look at the screen to even know what was on your canvas because it was so difficult. They had to blast them with light for the cameras. Well, now these cameras have gotten so sensitive, this new digital stuff. You can actually, as a demonstrator, see exactly what you're doing without struggle. And um, the quality of those jumbotrons, I call them these big giant television screens are great. Um, then, uh, and the artists were mic'd and they are talking about that what they're thinking and what their process is as they're working. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty fantastic. Then there are um, breakout sessions. So you can sign up for individual classes and those will go in to go on in smaller rooms off the main, the main room, the main uh, auditorium. And those are usually limited to um, 25 or 30 people. Um, sometimes an artist that I know Rick Casali was teaching uh, the basics of, of head sculpture, uh, blocking in a head in clay. And I think he had to limit it to about 25 people just to get around everyone, but it was very successful. Um, then we will also have lectures, panel discussions. There'll be maybe an individual speaker or a series of artists that will be on a panel that will talk about a particular topic. It could be uh, working in your studio. It could be the business of art. It could be uh, materials. It could be about a particular artist's career and how they've managed their career. It could be about very specific things that relates to portrait and figure painting. Um, and um, the challenges or, or, or the successes and, and how an artist has, has found their way. So lots of that as well. And then I mentioned um, the portfolio critiques, which are very valuable to, to uh, participants. And then there's the all important downtime where you're just in the lobby hanging out with hundreds of other artists uh, maybe having a drink and just sitting around and talking about uh, your life and your work and getting to know people from all over the world it's probably one of the one of the very best parts of the conference is those times when you're just able to interact with your fellow artists yeah we played Pictionary till all hours of the morning in the lobby yeah, one yeah, night yeah. last year yeah, pretty much blast. goes until one or two in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then one thing. And I mean, I've seen other things too, Jeff, where artists have been, they'll go into one of their friend's hotel room and they'll be sitting around the floor, three or four around the bed and two or three on the bed. And they've got a model sitting there and they're all painting in the room. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, I've got <laughs> a great kidding. photo of that from a couple of years ago. Yeah, artists are nuts. And then one thing I think you missed is one of my favorite events and that's the uh face-off and that happens oh first goodness, that's the first thing on thursday night when the... i can't believe i forgot that yeah that's, talk that's about one that of the popular events yeah so tell yeah, us that about that the first night that'll be um in a giant room there will be uh you know a dozen models set up all these models are set set up all around the room and there'll be about two to three or three to four artists around each model and they are not really engaging the the attendees. They're just painting, and you can walk around at leisure and look at watch it. Anybody paint or sculpt that you want to or draw. I know Oliver Sin has done this several times. He works just in charcoal, and uh, you're sort of a fly on the wall, and you're just moving around from person to person and, and watching them work over a three hour period. And we have found it to be one of the most popular events. And, you know, people just pack in that room and uh, it's fantastic. I love it. The face off, in my opinion, or gets the gets the whole crowd excited for the rest of the week or the rest of the weekend. I mean, it's it couldn't be a better program for the start of the event. Yeah, I, I, I do. You, I love it. I actually love it. It is incredible. The energy that comes out of that room that you carry with you through the rest of the weekend. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets excited about it. It's so fun to be sort of the fly on the wall and watch each artist work. The artists in, in this particular 
series of demonstrations are not actually talking about their process. They're just painting, drawing, sculpting. Mm -hmm. And you can go from person to person, artist, artist, sit down in a chair or stand and, you know, quietly talk with your friend around you about what you're seeing. And it's, it's just great fun. I love it. And um, we get, as we, every year we, we send a questionnaire out to all the participants. We ask their opinion about a variety of the programs, the artists that have spoken and demonstrated. And actually we shape the conference each year based on that feedback. It's so important that we hear from people what they like, maybe didn't like as well, or what they thought was most valuable. Uh, year after year, the face-off is one of the top rated events and uh, I can see why, and I love it too. And we'll have some great artists in there this year. Mm -hmm. And you say they don't talk about their process, but one thing that does happen is, I don't know what it is, like every 25 minutes, there's a five minute break. And yes. my experience is that that's when the guests of the Portrait Society Conference will come to the artist and start picking their brain for five minutes. So there is You're some exactly interaction right. with the artist. You're exactly right. Yes, that's right. You will, you will see people talking to them during the breaks. Uh, yeah. I've noticed some people, um, when they're actually painting, they will put in, you know, earphones and, I do and listen that. to music. Like yeah. That. yeah, yeah. I do that. And it keeps you from being distracted, I guess. No, it keeps... It... <laughs> Because there, there is the occasional guest that will try and talk to you while you're painting, you know? Oh, I see. <laughs> so I put the headphones on. So it's sort of like, Hey, I'm not available right now. You know? Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's why good. I do it. I don't even have to have anything playing. Just, it's just like, my. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm not talking right now. Yeah. Oh, anyway, man, now everyone good. knows my secret. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So well, that's great, man. it's, uh, it's what it's really fun. It's one of my favorite parts. Yeah, me too. The, the one thing that I find most incredible is every year I watch all the volunteers and Christine and you and, and all the other people involved and just, it's just like, you know, you don't have a minute to talk. I'll be like, Hey, Christine, great to see you. Gotta go. You yeah. Know? But, but it just runs like a fine watch. I mean, everything just runs yeah. seamlessly and it seems like it was easy to put together. Yeah, no, but I don't think so. No, the planning for the next year starts about a week after the end of the last conference. Yeah. So, you know, Chris will take a few days off to try to, uh, you know, sort of recover from basically hardly sleeping for three or four days, really for five days, because they get there a couple of days early, yeah. uh, two or three days early. And um, but, yeah, the logistics of moving the equipment, getting it set up, it's enormous, enormous effort. And, you know. If you just think about the fact that we really have, we basically have four full-time staffers for over 3,000 member organization. And we have a director, um, you know, we've, we've got a, she's got an executive assistant, and then we've got two staffers that work in our office. Everything else is done by volunteers. If you go upstairs at 11 o'clock at night, the second day of the conference, you will find a room with uh, five or six volunteers in one room. They're on cots. That's they're, they're getting a few hours sleep before the next morning. And they're doing it because they love to do it. They want to be a part. They know that we're doing a work that is important. And they're excited to be there, excited to, to have a, a part and a role in the, in the um, activities that we're a part of. And um, I'm just thrilled to see that every year. Um, there are volunteers that we've had that have come for 20 years and volunteered. And, uh, you know, they're not paid. They, they get to come and, and help out as a volunteer, but they're willing to basically sleep on the floor, uh, and do it. And I just don't, if, if it weren't, if it weren't for the volunteers, we wouldn't be here today. Mm -hmm. It was, there's no way. And we still can't do it without volunteer hours. We have to, we just don't have the kind of resources to do anything else, but, um, but, but we're doing well. And, uh, and that's important because of the support of our membership. Okay. So my final question for you, unless you have something else to add, uh, is, uh, you know, the only, the only thing I do, I kind of, I think I want to throw one thing in okay. if I may, just a little, just one thing that we started last year that I'm excited about, and this is just related to the Portrait Society as a whole. Um, we have never had an endowment of any kind. You know, we, we live, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty tight. It always is pretty tight, you know, hand to mouth. And, um, every year when we are, not quite, we, we don't quite have the resources that we, we need to finish up. We usually ask for a year end sort of appeal from our membership and everybody comes through. They, 
send us a few extra dollars that they they have to want to help out and that gets us through and um after a couple of years of, of talking about this we launched a thing in january last year called the sergeant circle which is a new uh, funding arm for the portrait society and um you know our, our core membership is makes up by far the bulk of our funding uh, their hundred dollar you know or so membership per year um, but we just thought, you know, there are people that believe in our mission. There are people that can uh, support us in a, in a larger uh, financial way, greater financial way. And uh, we also just want to share with them what it is that we want to see for the society and to talk about our future and, and what we want our growth to be and what our goals are. And we started this um, last January and it's just going great. And we've uh, we've got quite a few people that have made contributions and uh, we're growing that and I would love for people to check out the sergeant circle those that might feel that it would be a fit for them and fit their charitable giving and they have the they feel that they have the financial resources to support in that way we'd love to see them consider us and um, you'll find that on the website okay all right so my final question is you've well first of all you've already mentioned that the contest the, to submit to the contest ends in one week from the posting of this video. So the 5th of February, right. 2024. Uh, I'd like, it'd be great to see, not for you guys, not for the judges, but it'd be awesome to see even more people sign up this year than last year. It'd be kind of amazing. I would love it. Yeah. I would love it. So get out there and do your, uh, get your art submitted. But um, one question I have though, is what other things besides the contest, besides the education we've talked about, would you say are advantages to coming to the Portrait Society Conference? I'll tell you one that I tell everybody, networking. I feel like people, you know, I've made so many good, uh, well, friendships really. And yeah. uh, coming coming to the Port Society year after year, but I've seen my students, you know, make connections that may be helpful to their careers down the road. I mean, um, who was it? Uh, oh, Stephanie Page Thompson. I know she came at 17 years old, made connections with people like Michelle Dunaway, and I, th I feel like it's really helped her career. I think she would say the same thing. So that's yeah. that's one thing I often tell people. Can you think of another reason that? the porch side well, number one i mean absolutely for me number one is inspiration okay so i mean i leave there every single year so excited so inspired so motivated to get back to my studio i just want to try it i just want to try the things that i just saw that i heard sometimes it's a variation on something i'm doing sometimes it's something totally new i'd never ever thought about trying this really sometimes even at your even at your level are you yes are you kidding no yeah. i do it too but I just assume yeah, I everyone else has kind of got their thing down. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm, 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 no, I'm still looking for, I'm still looking for the way, you know, Same. I'm always looking for the way, um, you know, John Johansson, a great artist used to say that there's no such thing as, uh, the way there's a way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's lots of a ways that are taught, you know, and I, I leave there. I can't wait to get back and try something. Sometimes it's, you know, it's something like using materials you've used for many years, but you never used them in quite that way. And you think, oh, I never thought about that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so inspiration is absolutely number one. And I think it is for most everybody. I would agree with you that probably the second is not only the the, the networking, both in building new and and, and in for, reinforcing relationships that you've built, building new friendships with artists from all around the world. Um, and then also meeting gallery owners, uh, portrait agent reps, um, uh, people that 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 can and, and do help to um, market and sell artist work are there. They they look at uh, portfolios, they look at the competition. They're there mingling and meeting artists. So that's certainly an opportunity that any artist might find uh, could be beneficial to them. But um, I think that. Um, I think besides that, the other thing that I think is just so important is it, it there's a sense of community and you feel a part of something. And I think that as artists often working sort of quietly in our studios with only maybe models coming from time to time or a client coming from time to time, we need relationships, we need community, we need to bounce ideas off of people, we need the support of our friends and fellow artists. Mm -hmm. And I think these relationships that are built, which I have many that I've that I built through, through only through the Port Society. I would never have met them any other way. 
And now it's really easy to stay in touch because of these phones um, versus when I first started. And we actually wrote each other letters for heaven's sakes, but hmm. you know, now we can zoom call or FaceTime or whatever, but to be able to develop relationships with people that are like-minded and have similar ideas about, um, about what their goals are for, for their work as artists and to be able to um, email them, call them up, send them an example of something you're working on and say, Hey, tell me what you think about this. this that's the kind of friendships I've made since I've been a part of the society. And, um, and I think that when you leave every year, if you don't feel any of those things, then I would please contact me because I want to know how in the world you missed it. You can't possibly, unless you just don't leave <laughs> yeah. your room, you can't possibly not leave feeling motivated, inspired, excited. And the opposite of what some people who might not go, who might think, well, you know, if I go and watch this artist, I'll just be intimidated. I just will realize how much I don't know. And I'm not, you know, it's like Winston Churchill used to say, I don't want to take any classes at, at painting because I don't want to know. I don't want to know how good or bad I am. I just want to paint. Well, you know, maybe there's some people out there like that, but the majority of us want to get better. And the very best way to do that is to be able to learn from others. Mm -hmm. And there are also relationships that become extremely important, like mentoring relationships. Uh, an artist meets another, particularly a younger artist meets an older artist, and that artist takes interest in that artist, like in Stephanie's, uh, you know, that example you gave. And I've seen this with a number of people, and um, and, it, and it certainly happened to me. Not only happened to me, I, 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 I mentor artists that I've met at the Portrait Society Conference just on my own. So um, I think that's a huge part of it. And, um, you know, I think you're also going to see some pretty fine art, some pretty amazing works of art. I've meant to say earlier, and I forgot about this, the six by nine sale, that's not the only sale that you know we have every year too, Jeff. We also sell those demonstrations if the artists are willing to donate their demos, oh, which right. most everybody yeah. uses. And those will be available for sale. And there's people that walk away, you know, with a Jeff Hine hanging on their wall later that maybe they didn't have to pay gallery prices for. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That is a pretty sweet deal. Well, hey, Shane, it was great to have you on the podcast again. And I uh, I look forward to seeing you in a couple months. It's going to be fun. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks for your support. And thanks to all your listeners out there for their support. And I hope we see them at the 2024 conference. And um, don't forget to make your entry before the 5th at midnight. You've got, you can enter up to three pieces. And we would love to see this to be the see this to become the largest competition we've ever had. Thanks for tuning in to the Undraped Artist Podcast. If you enjoyed it, subscribe. And if you could, leave a comment or review. That really helps the channel. Please share the show with your friends. And if you're feeling generous, consider a monthly donation at theundrapedartist.com. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next week.